Uh, we're moving in this Jeremiah series. We're going to talk about buying a field this morning, which I know sounds odd to start with. Uh, and as I do that, I'm going to remind you, you should have received one of these as you came in. Uh, if you've already made your commitment, thank you, bless you. Uh, if you feel today that maybe you actually want to up that a little bit, we'll bless you again. Uh, and uh, you can do that and bring it forward uh, at the end of this time. On the back here, there's a big open box where you can write prayers, uh, things you want to bless the church with and, and so forth. So you can invite those. So you all can bring, whether it's a financial commitment and a prayer or just a prayer, you can bring these forward at the end of the service and place them in the baskets up here. And, uh, and the altar rail will be open for prayer time with you at that point in time. So just uh, have those out and kind of be thinking about that and praying about it as we move through these next several minutes together. So talking about buying the field, uh, you know, if you're uh, buying something, you know, what, what, one of the worst phrases, there's two words you don't want to hear the salesperson say, right? And those two words are, trust me. Because <laughs> as soon as somebody says that, you wonder, why did they have to tell us that, right? You know, trust me. And, and, and the least trusted salespeople are... Used cars, yeah. This is what you expect. Well, don't worry. The whole family's going to like this. It's not going to be here tomorrow, I'll tell you that much. Oh, don't worry about that. We'll fix it. We're going to handle everything. Yeah, right? You know how that is? Uh, that's kind of uh, how it is. So, you know, my first car uh, I bought for about 200 bucks back when I bought it because that's what I had. Uh, it wasn't that exact car, but it was that model. And it looked a lot like that. That's a Datsun Fairlady, in case you're wondering. It's the precursor to the 240Z. Uh, it was a little convertible, kind of their knockoff of an MG, if you will. And like that one, mine was uh, uh, riddled with rust uh, growing, uh, being in the Corpus Christi area. Uh, it had no rear brakes. Clutch slipped. Heater didn't work. Radio and most of the electrics in the car didn't work because the, the floorboard was rusted out. And every time you hit a big puddle of water, it splashed up under the dash and shorted everything out. And I had the car about a year. And I think after the third time, I had to rewire it to get it to run. I said, that's it. I'm done. And I think I sold it for the same thing I bought it for. And I was the one having to say, trust me. So, you know, in, in life sometimes, you know, uh, things come to us at odd times and difficult times and, and, and you get that, trust me, and sometimes it's even God who comes to us at difficult times in life and says, trust me. And can you do that even in those difficult moments? Let's pray. Mighty God, we give you thanks that you're with us this morning. We thank you for the gift of amazing music and, and being able to gather together on this morning. So come and uh, just pour your confidence in us. Uh, let the words of my mouth and meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as we've talked about our brother Jeremiah and, and reviewed him, we come to this story this morning uh, where God in one of the darkest moments comes to Jeremiah and says, trust me. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. The army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. Now Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned him there, saying, 
Why do you prophesy as you do? You say, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. So while he's imprisoned, the word comes to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalom, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anatoth, because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then, just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hinnamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, Buy my field at Anatoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it and possess it. Buy it for yourself. I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anatoth from my cousin Hinnamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed, weighed out the silver on the scales." I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy, and I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the presence of my cousin Hinnamel and of the witnesses who had signed the deed and of all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. And in their presence I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Take these documents both the sealed and unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. It's, it's a long story with a lot of detail because uh, uh, Baruch, the, the author of this, the scribe for Jeremiah, wants you to understand that the, the details that this really happened. Uh, so he gives you the kind of the way they would have done the negotiations back then with the, the sealed and the, the unsealed copies of the deed and the fact that they put them in jars to preserve them through what was going to come so that we could have proof that this actually happened. And, and he talks about how the opportunity is given to Jeremiah to redeem this field from his cousin. Um, and, and all of this comes and happens in the midst of a, a very specific moment in time. So I want to just be sure you understand the setting of this. Jerusalem's under siege. It's surrounded by the armies of Babylon. Matter of fact, that's probably why the cousin is selling the land. Because the armies of Babylon are camped out on it and he can't make a living off of it. And so he can no longer afford to keep it. So now in the, in the tradition of their time, and the law of their time, if a family member could no longer hold on to a piece of property, other family members were given the opportunity to redeem it, to purchase it, so that it could stay within the family. And God comes to Jeremiah in the midst of this siege when Jerusalem is surrounded and, and, and there's no way to make a living there or no way to work this field. God comes to, Jer to Jeremiah in that time. And Jeremiah, who's in prison, did you get that? Zedekiah didn't like his prophecy, so he's got him imprisoned in, in the courtyard of the king. He's got him over here where he, he can kind of keep him quiet. And God comes to Jeremiah and says, I want you to buy this field. Jerusalem is, is prophesied by Jeremiah to fall, to be devastated. It's people to be taken into exile. And that's when God comes to Jeremiah in prison and says, Jeremiah, I want you to empty your piggy bank, because this is pretty much all the money Jeremiah's ever going to have, 17 shekels. He says, I want you to empty your piggy bank and buy this piece of land. If you could have picked a worse moment, I'm not sure what it would have been. 
I'm in prison, I don't have any money, and you want me to buy a piece of land that the army is camped on that's getting ready to raise our city, to flatten our city, and haul us off into exile. Yeah, that's right, I still want you to buy that land. Okay. You can almost imagine Jeremiah you know, getting this word from God and saying, now, what, God, 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 do you understand that like, I'm in prison right now? You know, I've been put in prison here because of what you've told me to do. And God says, yeah, I know that, Jeremiah, thanks. Go by the field now. Well, God, you know, I, I don't have any money. I don't have any way to make any money right now. I don't have, any, I, I don't have money to put on this. Where, where, that, that's going to totally clean me out. And God says, yeah, Jeremiah, I get that. By the field. And Jeremiah says, God, do you understand that we can't do anything with the field because the enemy's camped on it? I, I, even if I buy it, I can't work it. I can't make a living off of it. And God says, yeah, Jeremiah, I know that. Buy, buy the field. And Jeremiah says, God, they're going to haul us into exile. We're not even going to be here. And God says, yeah, Jeremiah, I get it. Buy the field. And Jeremiah says, God, why should I buy this field? It's hopeless. The city's going to be flattened. We're going to be hauled into exile. Why should I buy the field now? And God said, because, Jeremiah, when things are hopeless, that's when people need a sign of hope. Just buy the field. So, as we've gone through this, we came into this time this fall thinking about the future of this congregation and, and asking you to help support it and so forth in all kinds of ways. I know a lot of you are feeling a little bit like Jeremiah in some ways. Um, you know, some of us are worrying about what's going on in the broader denomination and all the division and splits that are going on there and the, the way that people are saying nasty things about each other and things are pulling apart. Some of you are saying, well, really, we'd like to wait until everything's all settled and, and you know, kind of sorted out. Uh, some of you are still are recovering from the pandemic. Um, you know, every time a little surge comes along, you find yourself fill, filled with anxiety and fear. It's even been called a, a version of post-traumatic uh, stress disorder that we're dealing with kind of on a society-wide basis that we're wrestling with this kind of latent fear that we have. Some of you are really worried about what's going on with the economy right now. Yes, you've noticed the stock market kind of has taken a pretty bad nosedive and inflation is going on and the price of everything is rising faster than wages are rising and we're all getting squeezed in that and you're wondering where that's going to end up. And uh, depending on who you read, it's either going to recover or it's going to get worse before it gets better. So, you know, you can have your choice. Um, and, and some of you, you know, are, are facing the midterm elections coming up, wondering what's going to happen there and listening to all the, the political ads where you know each party on, on the various side uh, refers to their other uh, their opponent as you know the, the son of Satan uh, and so and cast doubt on them and shadow on them and all that so we have all of that going on in our personal lives and then overarching that for a lot of us is the reality of this war in the Ukraine which just feeds into all of our fears as we see these horrific images of what's going on and we see the disruptions that are taking place, one of which is just now beginning to be evident, which is the fact that Ukraine's one of the biggest producers of grain in the world. And people around the world rely on them. And people are going to go hungry. 
because of this war. And so in the middle of all of that, it's, it's easy to kind of say, God, are you sure? Are you sure we should be buying the field right now? For Jeremiah, this was an opportunity to redeem the future. God said, listen, I want you to do this. This is a sign of, the future, sign of hope. I want you to do this so that people can understand that it's not always going to be this way. That one day people are going to be here again and, and the city is going to be rebuilt and vineyards are going to be here and things are going to go back to being good again. But people need a sign of hope that that's going to happen in the midst of the situation they're in. And Jeremiah, even hearing that, had to deal with, you know, the fear of what if, right? Isn't that what holds us up a lot of times? Well, what if? Well, God, what if I do this and, and I don't actually get back here to work that field? Incidentally, he didn't. Uh, what if I don't get back here to work that field? What if we don't live through this? What, what, if, what if Babylon never lets us do this again? What if I need that money for something else? What if... And we do that, don't we? What if? God, really, it, it, would you, why don't you just wait till everything's settled out and, and I know whether it's going to go the way I want it to go or not? Why don't you wait until I can tell if, if everything's going to work out the way I want it to work out? Except that God doesn't tend to wait for us to sort through all of our stuff and be happy with everything in life before God calls us to step out in faith. You know, Peter got out of the boat in the middle of the sea. He didn't say, well, Jesus, I'll tell you what, why don't you, why don't you calm all this down, settle it all down and all that, and, and, uh, and, and put me out here a platform and everything, and then I'll get out. Right? He steps out in the middle of the storm. Yeah, what if keeps us from living into faithfulness? What if keeps us from uh, trusting the promise that God gives us and that God gave Jeremiah, right? This is what the Lord Almighty God says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. It may be dark right now, but it's not going to stay that way. You know, after, after 2001, 9-11 of 2001, when we were all living in fear, you know, one of the things I kept repeating to you over and over again was, I don't know what the future holds but I do know who holds the future. You know, to trust the promise the way Jeremiah did is to trust God. I don't get it, God. I don't understand. I don't, I don't see how this is all going to work out. But I'm going to trust you. And that's sometimes the hardest part of it. It's to trust God even when you can't see the way forward. And so God comes to us in the midst of all the things that are going on in our world and, and all the things that are happening and all the darkness and says, this is your opportunity. This is your time to redeem the future. It's time to buy the field. You know? And we can say the same kind of things. I don't understand it. I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't know where it's going. And God says, yeah, that's right. You're just going to have to trust me. It's not all going to be this way. You're just going to have to trust me about that. Because in the midst of times that are dark, the world needs to see light. In the midst of times that feel hopeless, the world needs to see a sign of hope. And that's what God calls us to. And so the question for you, really, 
and for me is, you know, do we trust that promise? Do we trust the promise that God gives us that things are going to be good again? And do we trust the one who makes the promise? Do we trust God with our future? Even in the midst of that hopeless time, God called Jeremiah to buy the field. And even in the midst of all the stuff we deal with, once again, it's time to buy the field. To be the sign of hope when the world is hopeless. Just buy the field. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we give you thanks that you're with us. Even in those times when life seems dark, even in those times when we can't see the way forward, even in those times when the world seems hopeless, that you are still with us bringing light and hope into all, all that we see, all that we touch, all that we feel. We give you thanks that in the midst of, of difficult times, you send us music like Psalm 34 to lift our hearts. We give you thanks that you remind us that we are not people who stand alone in the world, but rather that we are your people. And we stand in confidence of you. So come and give us courage and give us confidence and fill us with your promise that we might be the signs of your hope for those who are hopeless. We might be those who shine your light for those who are walking in darkness. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.